The first time I uh, sang that uh, hymn was in a a conference for young people uh, regarding mission in Northern Ireland. And uh, we were thinking about mission in different parts of the world and different missionaries were speaking. And uh, these young people were listening to what the missionaries were doing, but some of them also were wondering what the Lord wanted them to do with their lives. And uh, one couple who were there were Stephen and Linda Park, who you may know are in Chiwoko with uh, Becca Jones. And uh, clearly the Lord was at that time beginning to uh, call them uh, to serve him in the work of mission. But we don't serve the Lord only overseas. We serve him wherever we are. And I always find that a very challenging hymn. Can we really say, all my ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender these into your hands. And then that statement, for it's only in your will that I am free. And I'm, I want us to think this evening about Epaphroditus, the man who's mentioned in our reading from Philippians chapter 2. Because Epaphroditus was a, a loyal servant of Jesus. And we're told about him. And Paul gives us quite a bit of detail, really, about him. As he tells the Philippians, as he writes the letter, he's sending Epaphroditus back to them. And in verse 29 of Philippians 2, he says, Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Through the centuries, there have been many Christians who have faithfully served the Lord. There are some names that we know really well. They're often quoted and referred to uh, in books and uh, in sermons and talks. And uh, we think of them as those who were dedicated to the service of Christ. But there are many, far more, who are unknown. We don't know their names. People today who are serving the Lord in various ways. And, and those who are unknown, perhaps who've done things and are doing things that are really quite simple unknown to the Lord. Uh, The Lord Jesus said, truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. That simple act, a a needy Christian, perhaps a persecuted Christian, and and someone just gives them a a cup of water. And uh, that is known by God, it is seen by him. And in this chapter, Paul emphasizes the importance of Christian character, working itself out in Christian service. Uh, He refers to the Lord himself as the great example. Uh, Your attitude, he says in verse 5, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then he, he speaks about the Lord coming from heaven, not holding on to equal things with God, but making himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being obedient unto death, even the death of a, on a cross, and about God exalting him to the highest place. The supreme example of service is our Lord himself. And uh, therefore he urges the Philippians to follow that example and uh, to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, because God is at work in them, and to shine as lights in a dark world. And so the whole theme there is service, serving the Lord, being saved 
to serve. Is that how you think of your Christian life? Uh, we've been wonderfully saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, and we've, we've been saved in order that we might offer our lives to him, that he might receive everything we are and everything we have. And then in the latter part of the chapter, he, he speaks about two men uh, who served with him, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And it's Epaphroditus we're thinking about this evening. Uh, the root of that name, Epaphroditus, means charming, comely, lovely. It was a very common name. Uh, and here was a, a lovely Christian, a man who had been saved and wanted to serve the Lord. It's possible sometimes to, to be converted and then to sort of stop or pause and say, well, that's it. I now know my sins are forgiven, I have peace with God, and, and I rejoice in that. But what does it lead on to? And to what extent are we ready to serve the Lord? In what way are you serving the Lord? Wherever the Lord may have placed you in his providence. Because we, we're living in a time of great challenge. It was a time of challenge before the pandemic, and it's even more of a challenge now as there's been not only this massive disruption in the day-to-day -day lives of people all over the world, but also in the life of the church. And we're at that point, aren't we, of re restarting, getting underway again. And perhaps that wasn't easy for you. Even thinking about coming to a service again was a challenge for you. But then taking up the life of the church uh, and the different ways in which we seek to serve one another and to serve the Lord and to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known. It seems to me that Epaphroditus is a man who speaks to us in that situation. And uh, so he, it may even be that as we return uh, to things uh, that we've done in the past or things we haven't done, we'll return with a greater conviction, a greater determination to serve him than we've known in the past. So let's look at him and something of what we're told of, about him in these verses. And the first thing is this, that he, he undertook a difficult mission. Uh, he was sent by the church in Philippi, which was a church which was especially supportive of Paul. From the first day, they became believers. They, they wanted to help him as he left Philippi. They followed him with, with gifts and prayers and encouragement. And he describes Epaphroditus uh, in verse uh, 25 as your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs, who you sent to serve me. What a lovely idea, the church in Philippi says. What can we do uh, for Paul? He's there in Rome. He's under house arrest. He's no longer able to go about freely preaching the gospel. It must be really difficult for him. What can we do? Well, they sent gifts. But also then they said, let's send one of us to go to him. And of course, you, you couldn't just check on a flight then and fly from Philippi to Rome in about an hour or so. Uh, it was quite a journey, getting on a boat and uh, going to this great city, the center of the empire, finding Paul. And just imagine one, one day, Epaphroditus arrives at the, the house where Paul is under arrest. And uh, perhaps they haven't met before. And uh, he says, well, I'm Epaphroditus, and I've, I've come all the way from... Philippi, Philippi, you've come all that way. Why? Well, I, I've come to be their messenger. I am the message in a sense. It's an expression of their love for you. And uh, well, why have you come? 
Well, I've come to do anything you want me to do. You tell me what I need to do and I'll be happy to do it. And, uh, but it was a difficult task. Leaving familiar places, going to strange places, feeling a bit anxious and nervous and wondering how things would turn out, perhaps having a difficult voyage, perhaps storms along the way. But he'd come. And uh, we don't know whether he was in leadership in the church in Philippi. He doesn't need to be. Uh, people who aren't necessarily in leadership serve the Lord with great zeal and determination. And uh, he's their messenger. The word is apostle. Somebody who's been sent out by the church in Philippi to represent them. When uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians in the second letter, he speaks about Titus and other of his co-workers. And he says, he is my partner and co-worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives or apostles, messengers uh, of the churches and an honor to Christ. And so through Epaphroditus, the church speaks, the church acts. We've sent out ladies, haven't we, from the church here to other countries. Uh, and we've been glad to send them out to serve the Lord in uh, Brazil and uh, in uh, Uganda. And men have gone out to, to pastoral ministry in different places. And that's the kind of situation which is in mind here. Because there was this close relationship between Paul and the church in Philippi. He says in chapter 4 that in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. Isn't that amazing? You'd have thought all the churches would have said, well, we'll be glad to help in any way we can. But it was the church in Philippi that stood out uh, in giving and receiving. And he says, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. And so there's been a constant flow of help and encouragement through gifts. But this time they've sent a man carrying a gift. And there's been a lapse of perhaps 10 years between the last gift they sent and Epaphroditus coming. And it wasn't a lack of affection for Paul. They perhaps hadn't had the opportunity to help him. And so he comes carrying a gift. We sometimes send out gifts, don't we, to, to Christians we know in other places. It's to encourage them. It's an expression of our love for them and our desire to encourage them in their ministry. And uh, he himself is obviously a gift as well to be Paul's constant companion and attendant as he is uh, in prison, to help him in furthering the work, because there were different things that Paul did, even when he was confined, that would further the gospel. And uh, Paul speaks about him in warm terms in verse 25. My brother, he says, he's a fellow Christian. A lovely thing to meet a fellow Christian, not necessarily somebody who's in the same congregation we are, but someone else we meet somewhere, and they're a brother or a sister in the Lord. But he goes on, he's my brother, fellow worker. He's a worker. He, he wants to serve the Lord. And then he adds something else. He's a fellow soldier. He's involved in the struggle for the gospel. He's a fighter. And uh, he, he's ready to do anything that will further the cause of the gospel. So they have a common sympathy, a common work. And just as Paul was willing to experience danger and to suffer for the gospel, 
Epaphroditus is of the same spirit, and uh, he's come to help Paul. Uh, But while he's there, uh, he's taken ill, seriously ill. And Paul says he nearly died. We we sometimes assume, don't we, that if someone steps out in faith and uh, wants to serve the Lord, that, that we expect perhaps things will go well with them. But it doesn't always happen. And it didn't happen for Epaphroditus. Uh, he was taken ill. Uh, and Paul says, indeed, he was ill and almost died. Obviously, the medical facilities in those days were very limited. And uh, Epaphroditus was a stranger in Rome. And he was so ill that he, he almost touched death's door. Um, but uh, he says, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. So here's this man, he steps out in faith, he travels a long way, he comes to Rome, he's there to do whatever Paul wants him to do, and he's taken ill. And uh, Paul is really concerned about him, wonders if he's going to survive. And uh, perhaps the experience of illness affects Epaphroditus as well. You know, people who step out in faith and go to other lands and other countries, they, they sometimes find it really difficult. And uh, it seems that Epaphroditus was deeply distressed and homesick. And uh, he wanted to go back to see his family and his friends. And uh, now Paul is sending him back. It may be that Epaphroditus carries the letter. He took a gift from Philippi to Rome. Now he's taking this wonderful letter. Uh, for the churches, for the Christians in Philippi. And you think, well, why was Epaphroditus that sort of man? Well, it's because he had experienced the grace of God. It's a natural response to the grace and kindness of God to want to serve him. He'd probably come from a Gentile background. He may not have been converted uh, by Paul or under Paul's ministry. Uh, He may not be someone as Timothy was, who Paul can say that because as a son with his father, he has served me. Uh, Epaphroditus is not the direct result of Paul's own ministry, but he is a believer. And uh, by the grace of God, he is what he is. And as when you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's an inner change that takes place, isn't there? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's, a, there's life in our souls. And we want to do things for the Lord. We want to serve him and serve his people. And uh, it's a response to God's love in Jesus Christ, explained in this chapter, uh, about the self-giving and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to serve him too. And and the Spirit is working in our hearts. Uh, So we want to work out our salvation. We want to do whatever we can uh, to serve the Lord. And... uh, it's, it's a result of becoming a Christian. It's a strange thing uh, for a person to say, well, I've, I've been converted, I've experienced forgiveness, but that's it. That, it's a sort of cul-de-sac. That's the end. I'm just happy to have that experience, but I don't want to do anything. Uh, and in any church, there's that longing to, to be useful in the Lord's service. And so he puts his gifts ungrudgingly at the church's disposal. Perhaps when he set off, they said, how long are you going for? Oh, I don't know. Don't know how long it'll take me to get there. Don't know what Paul wants me to do, but I'm just going to do whatever needs to be done for as long as it takes. 
and he's ready to do it. His own life is disrupted. Uh, he doesn't simply say, sorry, I'm quite busy at the moment. I've got quite a lot of things on and there are a few things I'm hoping to do. I've got my own ambitions. No, that's put on hold in order that he might go to, to Rome and serve Paul. His time, his talents, his energy uh, are put at uh, Paul's disposal. And it, it nearly costs him his life. And, you know, an attitude like that has always characterized the church at its best. It's been the key to gospel advance through the years. And uh, I wonder, is that how we think as Christians? Is that how we think as a church? What can we do personally? What can we do together to advance the work of the gospel far and near? So here's this man. He undertakes a difficult mission. He goes outside his comfort zone. And as we've seen already, the second thing is this, that he, he gives his all in the service of Christ. There was a quality of commitment that this man showed. He was a worker and he was a warrior, ready to encounter the enemies of the gospel. You see, we live in a hostile world. Uh, in chapter one of this letter, uh, Paul urges the Philippians to be united in the cause of the gospel. Uh, he says, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. And then he, he adds this, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. The opposition was fierce. Paul was in prison. Uh, he was going to die for his faithfulness to the Lord. The other apostles would die. James had already died. And uh, Christians were imprisoned and put to death. And uh, Epaphroditus knows that, but he's a, he's a warrior as well as a worker. Uh, the Roman Empire dominated all of life. If you didn't worship Caesar, then you were seen as a traitor. And uh, no Christian could worship Caesar because Jesus alone is Lord. And so they were at risk. But he's wholehearted. He, he's ready to give his best. His personal qualities were trustworthiness, reliability, loyalty. There was a zeal about him. He was warm-hearted. He was self-forgetful. When he was asked to do something, he didn't suddenly think, well, what about me? He thought, what about the Lord? What about the Lord's servants? What about the cause of the gospel? What about the advance uh, of the church of Jesus Christ? In Proverbs, there's an exhortation in chapter 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Love and faithfulness. A love for the Lord Jesus Christ. A love for God. A love for his people. And faithfulness. And this is the kind of man who arrives. And they've ch he's been chosen by the church in Philippi because of the quality of his Christian life. And uh, he's come to serve in the work of the gospel. He's your, he's your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. The, the word behind that talks about service. In other words, it's a sacred service. We sing sometimes, don't we? Kindle the flame of sacred love on the mean altar of my heart. It's not just about doing jobs. It's about serving the Lord. It's a spiritual thing. Uh, we've been looking at Romans 12, which is your spiritual worship as you present your bodies, living 
sacrifices. That's the, the way in which Paul speaks about Christian living and Christian service. There's a cost. And uh, Epaphroditus is making that offering of his life, of his time, of his energies, of his skills in consecrated devotion to Christ. And uh, he's arrived in Rome. And there's something in that kind of service which is inevitably reminiscent of the Saviour. It's Christ-like. And there's something about Epaphroditus that speaks about the Lord. Because the Lord transforms us into his image and into his likeness. At first, perhaps it's very pale, you can hardly see it, but it's there. I want to be like him, and I want my life to be consecrated to him. And, and he was wholehearted. He wanted to give his best, yes, and he was also, he had a harmonious disposition. He was a fellow worker, a fellow soldier. Uh, he wasn't quarrelsome. He wasn't nagging. He wasn't restless. He wasn't fault-finding. He wasn't critical. You know, often soldiers who, who serve in dangerous places, they, they stand side by side. They're, they're brothers. Uh, Margaret's father was involved in the D-Day landings and uh, those men of that generation went on into that dangerous situation and as they attempted to land, immediately they were under fire and uh, men were killed or seriously injured by their side. Uh, but they weren't falling out with each other, they weren't disagreeing. They come to stand shoulder to shoulder in that difficult and dangerous undertaking. And, and there's that picture of this man who comes to stand side by side with Paul. And he, he wants to be a help in every way. When Paul writes to Timothy in his second letter, he says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, must, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Epaphroditus was like that. He was just a pleasure to have around. He was a delight, because his whole concern was to serve the Lord. And he was zealous, yes, and sometimes zeal, can be expressed in a contentiousness, but it wasn't like that with him. And uh, he wanted to be uh, a help in every way. And we're reminded in chapter 4 of this letter that there were two ladies in Philippi, Euodia and Syntyche, who had served side by side with Paul in the gospel, but now they'd fallen out. And how those things uh, detract from the work of the gospel. But uh, he's wholehearted. He's harmonious. And he's sensitive to the needs of others. He, as I've said already, he doesn't think about himself. So that when he became ill and almost died, God had mercy on him. Um, but uh, he was concerned that they had heard, the Philippine Christians had heard that he was ill. And this is what he says, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. I don't want you to worry about me, he said, to be anxious about me. And you see that sensitivity uh, for the needs of others. He didn't want to be the center of attention. 
but he was distressed when he realized that news had gone through to Philippi that he was ill. And you know, that word distress is the same word uh, that is used of our Lord Jesus Christ when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he goes with Peter and James and John. And Matthew tells us he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And you can imagine how distressed our Lord was in preparing to go to the cross. It was a deep distress and he has these three men these three close disciples with him well Epaphroditus felt like that wasn't thinking of himself oh no they've heard I'm ill that I've really died and I'm worried what they that they'll be worrying about me and you think what a what a lovely spirit to have Uh, he's concerned about the needs and anxieties of others he's homesick he longs to see them and uh, he doesn't want them to don't worry about me I'm all right, he, he says. And there's something there of, of the spirit of Timothy that we're told about in the verses before, where, where Paul says an amazing thing. In verse 20, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So Timothy was outstanding because he had a genuine interest in the well-being of Christians. And he didn't look out for himself, but for the interests of Jesus Christ. And it seems that Epaphroditus had the same kind of, of spirit. So he, he sets out on a difficult mission. Uh, he sets off for Rome. And he, he gives his all in the service of Christ. And uh, then he experienced God's kindness and grace. Paul just simply says, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare my, me sorrow upon sorrow. So as he becomes seriously ill, uh, God is, is kind to him. He's gracious to him. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know that as we step out in faith, as we, we offer our all in the service of Christ, that, that he's watching over us. He's caring for us. And although he almost died, he didn't die. And Paul says that was because of God's mercy, because of his kindness to him. It may be that the stress of everything he had done had caused him to be ill. Um, Sometimes people who go to other countries experience culture shock. It's a different place. It's a different uh, way of doing things. It's being amongst strangers. It's not having the normal support that we have when we're at home. And it may be as he came that he... He tried to do too much. There'd been the journey. There'd been uh, all the different things he did for Paul. They were seeing Paul in prison, and perhaps that really distressed him to see this great apostle no longer having the freedom to go and to preach the gospel and realizing that there was a trial to come and who was to know what the outcome of that would be. And it all took its toll upon Epaphroditus. And uh, he he was ill. And uh, it may have been some illness, some disease that he'd picked up, many diseases that would have killed people in those days. And uh, he's lost his health, and he nearly loses his life. And then there's a turning around, and he begins to pick up, and he begins to recover. And Paul says that was God's mercy on him. Because in those days, when somebody was ill, what did you do? Well, you you prayed. Uh, I went to Zambia in 1992, and uh, I went out to a an area in, called Cushy River, a rural area. Uh, I went to stay with a Christian couple. And as I was traveling out uh, with uh, David, the husband, 
uh, and conscious that we're moving far and further and further away from the copper belt and the larger towns there. And I said, so what do you do when you get ill? It was a time when HIV AIDS was starting. And uh, David just simply said, we pray. We pray. That's the first thing we do. Of course, they would seek medical help as well where they could. But here was Paul praying for Epaphroditus. Lord, please, don't let this dear brother, this dear fellow worker, this dear fellow soldier die. And the Lord had mercy on him and he began to recover. Isn't it a wonderful thing that God cares about us? He's touched with a feeling of our infirmities. Isn't that a lovely statement in Hebrews? We don't have a high priest who is not touched. He's touched. He knows. He understands. He enters into our situation. And he suffers with our weaknesses. And, and when we're going through difficulties, we pray. And not only does God know, but he cares. And he cares for us as nobody else cares for us. And they prayed. And there was an exercise of God's loving kindness and pity. And he restored Epaphroditus uh, to health and strength. But Paul says, I want to send him back to you. So that he arrives back safe and sound. And, and I'll be happy with that. And I'm sure you will be glad to see him as well. You see, Epaphroditus was a, a gambler for Christ and his work. What I mean by that is he took risks. Uh, he was ready to step out of his comfort zone. He didn't regard his life as the main thing. He, he put him in a, himself in a situation where he was exposed and uh, where he, he did what was necessary to serve the Lord. There were a group of men and women in the early church who were called the Parabolani. They were the risk takers. And that, that world was full of risks. Uh, when there were diseases, they cared for the sick. And when people who had died, and in those days you didn't know what they died from, uh, but they buried uh, the dead. You think of some of the parts of the world where Ebola or another terrible disease come, and the terrible danger it is not only to people who are sick, but the people who are caring for them. Uh, and this group of people were ready to take risks. Perhaps Epaphroditus himself was an encouragement to them in his example. And uh, Cyprian, who was the bishop of Carthage in the third century, showed great courage in his ministry because he cared for the sick, even during great plagues, and was ready to visit them at the, at the risk of contracting the, the disease themselves. And because the heathen people, when people died and they didn't know what they died from, they just threw the corpses out, and they fled in terror. But the Christians went to care. They took risks that speaks, doesn't it, into our situation in the pandemic. You know, do we think mainly of our safety? That's perfectly legitimate to do so. But of those who are in need, I don't mean necessarily caring medically for the sick, but, but just showing a care and compassion. It was one of the great witnesses of the early Christians to the reality of their experience of God's love, that they loved others as they loved themselves. And uh, they were risk-takers. And, you know, we live in a society which is risk-averse, don't we, really? We, we don't want to step out. We don't want there to be a cost. Uh, but such people were, were wonderful testimonies to 
the gospel. And uh, so Paul says in verse 29, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men, and we might add women like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. He came to do everything for me that you would have done for me if you could have, but you were miles away. And uh, he says, honor men and women like him. And, you know, faithful servants of the Lord are, are people who we are to regard with the great esteem and great respect, uh, who serve the Lord, not necessarily in leadership, not necessarily in what we think of as the ministry, but just Christians who are serving the Lord. William Still was a minister for many years in Aberdeen in the Church of Scotland. And a book was published some years ago of his letters, letters that he'd written uh, to the congregation, pastoral letters, really, through the years. And in one of those letters, he speaks about a, a meeting that had been held in the middle of the week. And it was in order that a missionary who'd been sent out from the church at Gilcomston could report on the work that they had done. And uh, he wrote the letter because the attendance of that meeting was very poor. And he, he really takes up the theme and says, you know, one of our own people was coming back to report to us. And then he asked this question, why weren't you there? And then an even more searching question, what did you choose to do instead of that? What was more important than warmly receiving this person who's gone out to serve the Lord? And it's a challenge. It's not, not just about attending missionary meetings. I'm not just thinking about that, but just how we regard those who are serving the Lord amongst us, uh, as well as those who've gone out from us. And uh, Paul says, when this man comes back, how are you to respond to him? Well, he says, with joy. You can imagine, can't you, the, the joy of his arrival. I don't know how he communicated when he was arriving, but if he, they knew, he went, they went out to meet him. We're so glad to see you, and you're well. Oh, it's wonderful to see you. We thought you were going to die. We've been praying for you. And then to say, you know, Epaphroditus, you're a great example to us uh, of what it means to serve the Lord. And because you have served the Lord in the way you have, we want to serve him like that too, without ever going to Rome, but where we are. And I see that as a great challenge, a great opportunity to us as a church. Uh, as we move beyond the, the restrictions, many of them at least, that have, uh, we've had to live with, during the time of the pandemic, that actually we emerge from it and we're able to say, Jesus, all for Jesus. All I am and have and ever hope to be. All my ambitions, hopes and plans. I surrender these into your hands. For it's only in your will that I am free. Jesus, all for Jesus. All I am and have and ever hope to be. You see, that's not extreme, is it? That's the only response we can make to him who loved us and gave himself for us, who humbled himself and became a servant and was obedient unto death, even the death on the cross, and who has now been highly exalted and given a name which is above every name. And to him every knee one day shall bow, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And we see Epaphroditus, and we understand in him something of what the Lord is like. 
and we look beyond him to the Lord himself. And we just offer ourselves afresh in his service so, so that we're not struggling to get going, but we're hitting the road running and ready to serve the Lord with great joy and gladness. Because that's what Epaphroditus did. If you'd gone to him and said, Epaphroditus, you know, you're a wonderful Christian. Fancy leaving Philippi, go all that way to Rome. He would have said, no, it's not me. It's what the Lord is doing in me and through me. And it was nothing but a joy and a privilege to serve him in that way and just to do a little for him in return for his amazing love for me.